This is Project Herpetoculture, episode 24. I'm your host, Roy Arthur Blodgett, joined as always by the dashing Philip Leitz. And um, yeah, I want to give a quick shout out to Dylan and the Animals at Home Network for hosting us. The goat. Obligatory. <laughs> and um, yeah, I give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Project Herpetoculture is brought to you by Custom Reptile Habitats makers of premium PVC reptile enclosures. I use these vivariums personally and have been very pleased with the quality and customer service on them. We have an affiliate link for them posted in our bio, and if you make a purchase through that link, we will receive a commission at no additional cost to you. We're also supported by Cold-Blooded Caffeine, roasters of quality coffees from across the globe. And for each bag of coffee purchased, Cold-Blooded Caffeine donates a small portion of conservation in coffee-growing regions regions, which also support some amazing herpetofauna. Even better, you can apply the code PROJECTHERP for an extra 10% off your order. Next, we have Tortoise Supply, purveyors of a wide range of reptile husbandry supplies, including some outstanding tortoise feed blends, which are also ideally suited for your amassics. And last but not least, we have Redline Shipping for all of your reptile shipping needs. Check them out for some of the best customer service in the industry. If you're interested in supporting the show directly as a listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash projectherpetoculture. Of course, sharing the show with a referral or shout out on social media is always helpful. Just know that every ounce of support is greatly appreciated as we grow the capacity and scope of the show. We have big ambitions for Project Herpetoculture, and it's all only possible with the generosity of our listeners and sponsors. So thank you again. And with that, on to the show. Um, also, we have our Patreon at this point, um, you can find us at patreon.com slash project herpetoculture. Um, any support that you want to offer to the show is much appreciated and will help us grow this thing into bigger and better things as we would like to do. Heck yeah. Um, I was trying to think if there's anything else I need to say here. Oh, we should say, you know what we should say? We should just yeah, yeah. say that it's it, we are psyched to be recording. I mean, we're over 20 episodes now. I can't yeah. believe the fact that we're getting positive feedback from people it's every single show we've been able to do has been something that's been an incredible learning experience. I, and I know I'm speaking for both of us in that, in this situation. And I feel like it's just worth kind of throwing that out there into the universe. Like it's awesome that anybody has any interest in what we're doing at all. Like thank, thank every, every guest we've had and every person who's ever listened to everyone, any one of these conversations, like you're awesome. Yes. Thank yes. You. I want to second all of that. I also just want to give another shout out to um, Charlie, um, who's my longtime best man, Dude. who edits our audio for us and kind of patches that all together, um, even with the the shoddy mess that we provide for him at times. He makes the best of it. So I really appreciate that. And um, also, if anyone's out there looking for like social media marketing kind of stuff, Charlie has just launched a new venture called Make Luck Marketing. You can find it on Instagram Whoa. and Facebook. He's the man. He's a total sweetheart. Support what he's doing. If um, you know that could be a mutually beneficial thing. And um, yeah, with all that being said, I'm excited to introduce our guests today. And they are Dan Sheehan and Stacey Sheldosky of Roots, Scoots, and Scales. Welcome to Project Herpetoculture. Culture. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would have messed up that. I would have accident on roots, scoots, and scales. I know I would have messed it up. I know I would. It's have kind of a hard one for me, but especially because I can kind of 
I can kind of smush words sometimes when I'm nervous, which I always am at the beginning of these conversations, but that one worked out. So we're just going to roll with it. Um, So uh, Dan, Stacy, just to start off, I'm curious if we could hear a little bit from each of you about kind of your background and origins in herpetoculture. Like how did it start for you and how did it come to be what it is? Oh, God. I guess I'll go first because it's pretty interesting because I know this has popped up on the podcast before, but I started with mostly fish, like a lot of fish, a various different kinds. I had like saltwater, just little tropical stuff, a couple monster fish, but nothing like really obnoxious. (laughs) And (laughs) in like this short little stint with like reptiles started with in the third grade, my parents got me a green iguana. Perfect. And that went Such as a well good starter as to go, which wasn't very great. So I don't really count that. But like years later, in like maybe seventh grade or so, um, my friend took me into Petco and showed me the house geckos. And I was like, Phew. yes, like, for some reason, it was just those little dudes and they were sticking all over the wall and stuff. And I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it was like another thing because like where I was in Pennsylvania, like the Northeast has like really, really bad snowstorms. So I couldn't get any of the like really primary insect eaters mm-hmm. at first because my parents hated driving in the snow. So eventually I convinced them to get the very first crested gecko because even though I feel like all my bugs right now, like back, like when you first get one, people are like, oh, just give it the repash. It'll be good. So that was like my convincing point for getting that one. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah it's always it's i love when somebody says you know because like uh i I have no this is not intended to be like uh critical or anything like that but like house geckos i think for people you know you know who've been in herpeticulture for a while it's like oh a house gecko they're like five bucks you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like people think of them as kind of like like a little less interesting but they're bad to the they're bad to the bone you know what i mean they're so sick and i feel like it's real cool for people to be like oh no i you know i saw like a komodo and it's just like (laughs) you know it's like it's it's like a cool thing to say so i think it's it's awesome that a house gecko was what like kicked that off that's so cool oh my god yeah Yeah, that's awesome yeah (laughs) hell yeah that's that's great how about you dan um so nobody in my family like my direct family or even my like slightly extended family outside of my one cousin who's about eight years younger than me mm-hmm. has anything other than cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. But um, going back and forth between Western PA and North Delaware, um, spent a lot of my time in the woods when I was a kid before, when I wasn't in school. Um, so we would go back to see my grandparents and there's a picture of me probably first grade, you know, walking out of the woods with a six foot black rat snake, just, curled up around my shoulders, just like (laughs) my parents just freaking out. (laughs) And ever since then, it's just been downhill. And finally in 2012, when I came out from underneath the rock that I lived under and started college, a friend of mine was like, Hey, we're going to a reptile show. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, Oh shit! How am I gonna find a way to do this every month? Like I did every that. Other month? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, 
after the Crested Gecko, I found out about the the Hamburg show in Pennsylvania. And I was like, I begged my parents to drive me there. And we went there and it was just swarms of people. It was like sensory overload. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely started off that way. And I think first... First animal, I don't think the only animal I've ever gotten permission to bring home was a blue tongue skink. And awesome. Yeah. After that, it was, you know. Show up with something. Just show up with something and ask for forgiveness and <laughs> never permission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Whoops. I don't know where all these snakes came from. <laughs> hey, there's another tub somewhere under my bed? No, I, I don't know anything about that. I was here. That's been here. When they, when they <laughs> say you can't get any more, that's when you start incubating them. And then you just make more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Anything you can do. It's like, you're only allowed to have, like, I remember making these little bargains with my old man when I lived at home. And like, I always wanted, I was breeding bearded dragons at the time. I was like 15 years old. You know what I mean? And he was, and I was like, I want more. And he was like, nope, no more. And I was like, but I can breed them, right? And he was like, yep. Cause then you're going to, you can sell them and make a little money. And so then I was like, perfect. So I just like, when there they bred, go. I was just like, all right, now we've got a hundred and you can't say shit, old man. It was awesome. <laughs> it was a good time. Th- those, those are great bargains to make with your parents so you could get away with doing what you wanted. It's a lot. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> I feel like I was really lucky in that. Like, I mean, my dad early on was just, he was into herbs himself. So that was easy. But then like later on, my parents split up and I lived with my mom and my mom was terrified of snakes in particular but but she was also just like she wanted to be a supportive mom you know and she could tell i was like obsessed you know it was like my special interest was reptiles ever since i was like you know an embryo so she just kind of allowed it to happen but i in hindsight i really you know i just gotta say thanks mom because she she really put up with a lot of huge colubrids in her house for somebody who's scared of snakes (laughs) <laughs> my uh, my mom actually for my 18th birthday i i will admit i am way out of it now but first snake i ever bought was a ball python it was petco special it was my first and my mom for my 18th birthday scared list is holding it like this and like you could see like the fear on her face and she took a photo of it and had it framed for me yes. that was a gift for my 18th birthday and i was like See, I think mine's like partially genetic because in like the 80s, my brother's kindergarten class took a field trip to their house because there were so many reptiles in it. Oh, love it. <laughs> awesome. So we got that's out of that for like a big chunk of when I was like really small, but that's why I was allowed to have a significant quantity growing up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so cool. That's great. I have, I have one quick story to just to, cause it, it, I just remembered this. Um, yeah. When I was in like, I don't know, I was, must've been like eight or nine years old, you know, something, uh, I, I did one of those things where, you know, I got out of school at like two forty five, but my parents worked until five or six. And so I did like an after school thing. Right. And it was like, uh, just something set up by the school where you, you know, you school to let out, you'd go to the cafeteria and then you'd, you know, fuck around for two or three hours until your parents came and got you. And there were adults supervising, you know, like an after school program. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, um, 
one of them at one point, uh, there, the, if this is in Arvada, Colorado, right? Little tiny elementary school. And I remember there was like this, uh, we let out to go outside <clears throat> and there was like a pathway going down to the basketball court, uh, court. And it's like a little paved thing. And the, and it, it was like a paved stairway that was going between two big rows of pines and stuff because there was a bit bunch of a little bit of open space. Mm-hmm. And I was walking along the staircase and in on one side of the stairs, there was a big old garter snake, like a big one, big, big Western or not Western. I don't know why I said that, but big garter, big garter snake. And mm-hmm. I remember I was like sick and just no thought at all. I just went to go grab it, pick it up and take a look, sent it on me, bit me like 20 times. And I'm just <laughs> awesome. This is great. Like I didn't care, you know, just happy about it but it was a pretty substantially sized garter snake. So it kind of left little pinpricks and it was bleeding. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I go back inside and one of the adults who was supervising like, Hey, what happened to your arm? I'm like, Oh, I just found this garter snake out there and got bit. And she freaks out, just freaks out and calls an ambulance to come to the thing. Cause 'cause she didn't didn't know. I was like eight or nine years old. I was like a little kid. I had no idea. And the next thing I know, there's like people coming in. They're like, do you know what kind of snake bit you? I'm like, yeah, it was a garter snake. Bamnophis natrix, not a big deal at all. Why are you here? And like the paramedic was like, oh, okay. Just another, you know, it was like a false alarm. It was an accident. She just thought she didn't know. Right. She, she was like, yeah. had just gone through like, here's how to make it. So kids don't die in your care training. And was like, totally. got bit by a snake. shit. What if it was a rattlesnake? And you know, you know, again, I was just a kid. How was she supposed to know that I knew what I was looking at? Yeah, she's not going to trust you. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. not going to be like, this, this eight-year-old knows what he's talking about, you know? And then what was funny is like, I think I have like a memory of my mom coming to pick me up and finding out about all of this. And she was like, no, no, it's fine. Like he fucks with all the animals outside the house. He like, he's been, he was hunting salamanders in Connecticut when he was three and four years old. Like it's fine. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> anyway, that was my story. I got caught oh, with a bunch of salamanders in my pockets in kindergarten. No way. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I was collecting them on the playground and someone tattled on me and the teacher comes up when we're like in the middle of class and she's like, turn out your pockets. And they were sweating. <laughs> I just got all this dirt and all these redback salamanders. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Classic, dude. That's fantastic. Oh my God. That's great. That's heartwarming. Reminds me like, like seventh grade we had to do like this like big big like like re- it was like our first like big research project you know multiple different components you had to like write several different essays and stuff like that and of course like i'm like okay how can i make this project about snakes and so i, I basically i think like yet you, you had to like start with like a question so i think my question was like what do you know what do we know about rattlesnakes in the united states or something like that and um and in one of them, like one of the things, options is we could write like a story, like a, like a first hand encounter kind of experience or like essay, short yeah. story kind of thing. And so I wrote the story of like the first time I caught a rattlesnake. And so this <laughs> is, I, was, I was 13 and I remember oh just like my, uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> my, uh, my teacher being like, simultaneously like really stoked because it was like a really good it was like really well written i was like a good writer for a little kid yeah but but also like mortified that i had like gone out oh and caught a rattlesnake God. to write this story but um oh dude you know, things I, things that we do you know dude okay um <laughs> i know we i know we uh purport ourselves to be a very serious-minded podcast but this is <laughs> 
this is some damn worthwhile data right here. I'm telling you. <laughs> so uh, I have a very similar story when I was like in one of the, not, not, not like a little kid. I was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. So like at prime embarrassment age, right? Oh yeah. And I had a writing assignment in one of my English classes and I did a writing assignment about bearded dragons and about like yes. how to care for them. And like, how to, you know, it was like this whole thing where I, I basically got up and I spouted out like a care guide. And like, if you breed bearded dragons, here's what happens when you cross like a, a red to a snow and all, like all this yes. stuff. It was, dude, it was horribly embarrassing like in retrospect because dude like the whole class was just like like, i definitely did the same thing about crested geckos so hell yeah hell yes you're not alone phil oh we're with you i feel seen and heard for the first time in my life do you ever do like the like what do you want to be when you grow up and like you go in and like i wanted to be a herpetologist oh yeah first first question they ever asked like like before like even three sentences in is that the study of venereal diseases? Oh yeah, my god! Exactly. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. we've all been there, haven't we? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still cringe every single time people are like, "What are you into?" And I'm like, "Herpetoculture." <laughs> and they're yeah. like, "What the hell?" So I have yeah, something well, to do with herpes. But it, yeah, totally. You know, it's, but like, it sounds- it's, it's always gonna happen. You know, you just gotta be braced for it. <laughs> it's it almost sounds better to say that than you know because it's like you have two choices, right? When people say like, "Oh, what do you mean?" You know, I'll say, "Oh, I'll be teaching jujitsu," and I'll you know somebody be like, "Oh, what do you you know what's your what's your day gig or whatever?" And I'm like, you know, this really I try to I try to like dodge the topic a little bit, like not because I'm ashamed to share it, because I I just don't ha- know how to describe it to people. And then yeah. they're like, oh, you don't do, you don't do anything else outside of jujitsu. And I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I, and it's, then you have a choice, right? You either go with the herpeticulturist angle, which is like herpy what? Ha <laughs> ha. Or, or you go with, I breed reptiles. And people are like, you do what now? You know, like, it's like, you can't, it, it just sounds so much less sophisticated than herpeticulturist, mm-hmm. you know? And it, yeah. It's, the, the, damn, the lives we've chosen to lead. Am I right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Here, was, here we are. Here we are. Project Herpetoculture. You know, it's yes. right there in the title. Yes. Yes. There's well, we can do. Before we um, slide even further off the rails, um, <laughs> not that not that we need to stay on the rails. I, I think this is great. But um, I, I know that um, the two of you have like distinct differences in like like what you're focused on personally in herpetoculture, but there's also like overlap and you kind of join forces. So I'm curious if you could each describe like, what are your personal kind of passions when it comes to like certain species or taxa within herpetoculture? Like, what are you focused on? What are you working with? Uh, Well, uh, for me, it's pretty much all colubrids now. Um, Like for my main focus, a larger quantity of that is the Boyga genus as an entirety. I think at this point in time, I have 13 different species in my collection, wow. which I think the most in the United States, but at the same time, not really something I'm touting until I get more successful with them. I can keep them alive, and right now that's good, and I can breed a couple of them, so I'm happy with that. Um, and then I have some other oddball stuff. I have false water cobras. We have some yellowtail and blacktail crebos. Uh, Madagascan giant hog nose. I did go back to corn snakes because not everybody can have 
rear fang snakes and they are kind of cool. They're the ball python <laughs> of the colubrid world, which is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> they come in every shape, size and color now. So yeah. I mean, they're, they're cool. so cool. Like, you saw like a, a corn snake morph and it's like one of those like neon orange ones. There's, even someone random off the street thinks that's really cool. As long as they're not like totally prejudiced oh, yeah. in the first place. So. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, even like a, you know, an OKT, you know, it's just like, I mean, that's just a beautiful, you know, striking right. animal. That's, yeah. that's most of the coins we have are OKTs and reverse OKTs. Nice. I Those have. are my favorites still. Yeah. And I do, I would say it started mostly with the geckos like i've been keeping the crested geckos since 2007 in like a significant quantity haven't really stopped there was like a short gap where i thought i wanted like just gargoyles and nothing else that was a mistake i went back to crested geckos now we have both so it's all good with that but um it started with those i ended up really liking skinks so they're there too and like there's a, like there's a whole bunch like anything that's like weird or funky and like can align in the parameters of the room. I just need to like at least try it. Like we got the Shinisaurus. Those are one of my like top favorites. That's like kind of a joint yeah. effort project though too. But um, that's like probably if I could just like pick one species to keep, it would be that one. So they're probably like my top favorite. Even though we don't have like tons and tons, I would like to get like a decent group going eventually. It's just like tough to find them at all. Mm -hmm. I got some of the small woods and knolls upstairs. Oh, yeah. I had like, I got eggs from them this year, but there was a little bit, I have to like tweak the husbandry a little bit and they weren't like as hot as they should be, I think. So mm -hmm. next year, mm -hmm. there's a couple little changes. I talked to some people and hopefully I'll get like eggs and babies. Shout so, out to Ron St. Pierre for helping us out. Yeah, I had a really yes. good discussion with him at Daytona and got some pointers and nice. another. So No one better for that. Small woods. Yeah. And so as for the skinks, we have northern blue tongues, eastern blue tongues, Erangias might be breeding all of those this year. And then the Gigi skinks, um, nice. in the, the mullers, those are the weird little guys that came in recently. And we got a little group going because it was really funny because I was talking to one of our friends and we're like, we never ever see these come in at all. And then like two weeks later, there's a whole bunch that came through. Get a phone call. So, like, hey. <laughs> oh, wow. telling me, so we managed to get, so there's six that are doing, really good right now so i hope they continue it's been like well over a month for the first group of those so that's oh, awesome wow. that's great mm -hmm. and then there's a that's... couple others floating around like there's the night lizards pink Ooh. tongues a couple the bavia i don't know if anyone like talks about those but that's another cool little new caledonian species oh, yeah, that yeah. i had two girls and our friend loaned us a male and i got four eggs incubating but I hope next season now that he's been here a while and he like gets with the cycle of the room, it will just all be like smooth next and year. And past quarantine. Yep. So we'll see. Good, Always. Yeah. Always Are you still working with the gastrophilus too? Yeah. Nice. So we, we just picked up our last show we went to in Gettysburg. We picked up uh, an unrelated female. Nice. So we're looking at so I got three babies that I'm holding back and they're all girls. I don't know if I'm going to keep them all. And then the two adult pairs. Nice. So, 
And like a lot of people really like those. I don't know, like it's the little, the, the, like the green shade, how vibrant they are, but they're like little tree monitors. They're so active. and They're so cool. And that threat display that they do is the most hilarious thing ever. (laughs) I haven't done that too much, but I I really startled the one one time when I was checking under the cork and she did it for the first time. And I was like, whoa, buddy. Amazing. Do you know, have you seen that, Phil, the the gastrophilus thing? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's really, really, really cool. Yeah. I, I've like the, I feel like the future, I don't know. I keep saying this, but what do I know? But I feel like so much of the future of her pediculture is like small stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, they're yeah. not that tiny. Like, like, yeah, I know I they're not. So yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't mean like ultra tiny. I don't mean like, you know, hyper <laughs> deco tiny, but I just mean like, not ornate euromastics big you know <laughs> even an ornate is like kind of like a little bit large and kind of needs like a fairly substantial cage but it, you know and, and i'm not saying I, yeah anyway i'm i'm way off topic here yeah sorry continue <laughs> but no, the gastros are cool and like they'll they have the little monitors like some of them that i've like raised from little tiny babies they'll come up on your hand and they'll like be just like running around just like the ackies are sometimes pretty cute. oh yeah yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, they seem really cool, really like interactive and inquisitive little critters. They can be like the, a little and like apprehensive about you before they know like what your whole deal is, but mm-hmm. it's like how you can like train like the day geckos, like the grandest. Yeah. They're like I put them in the same boat, just not as not as flighty, more standoff, like, hey, if I'll mm-hmm. let you know if I want to come out versus yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. When the gastrophobus, like if a little baby escapes, you could just kind of corral it and it'll climb up on your hand and stuff. It's not like running in three dimensions all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's always a little bit stressful when they can literally stick to any surface. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about the shinnies? Can you tell me a little bit more about them? That's just such an amazing, interesting species. And yeah, I'm curious, like, how it's been keeping them. How do you have them set up? What's it like working with those? When was the first time you saw one? Uh, (laughs) The first time. So first time I saw one was probably at, so we have another local show to us. It's, it's usually alternates from the main show in like Eastern PA. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Oaks. They, uh, somebody had one, Justin Moosterman, uh, Legacy Herbs. Yeah. Yeah. our first encounter with him, he had a pair on his table that he was selling and we were talking about it. And this is probably when I realized what they were. Oh my gosh, is that him? I don't even remember. I didn't. Lizards were cool to me, but it was, they didn't grab my attention all the time. So I probably mm-hmm. could have seen one before, but the first time I remember seeing one. I was uh, probably freaking out about it. Yeah, she was <laughs> freaking out about it. And I think almost a year later, we ended up picking up a mail. We both got phone calls that day. And is that the expo? <laughs> it's at the expo. And a friend called me. And I'm like, hold on to it. I'm coming back from New York from work and I'm flooring it there. Nice. And uh, He's like, just hold it in your hands. Don't put it down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let anyone else buy it. Exactly. And I got texts too. And I was, I was literally at work at that time. So that was our first boy. And then I think like, we're like, thinking about it like it's going to be so long before we can manage to like find a girl for this guy because like mm-hmm. you don't see them pop up that often and then like totally. three months later yes yeah, three months later uh mike lorette 
out of Florida. Mm-hmm. He posts one up and I'm like, hey, can we work something out? Yeah. <laughs> so she came and it was like right in the fall on like the cusp of brumation. So she arrived, she ate like once in my hair and didn't eat till next year. So uh, she went to bed. Yeah, like yeah. end of September. All the way through till I think almost January, February. Didn't eat. Was just kind of living there like a statue, kind of moving around maybe she once every once in a while. Hibernation spot. She, mm-hmm. she found her spot that she was happy with and just went. It was really stressful when you like just get something. It's like time to go to bed for several months. Yeah, that's like <laughs> well, now that they're like so um, if you so we're using like the tetra paludariums because the water section is like way deeper than the exoterras. I don't know about mm-hmm. like the new design exoterras. They look like they raised it a little bit, but it's like mm-hmm. half and half, and it's got the sliding glass doors, which are really nice. And I got the universal rocks going up for the land areas because if you just use like a lot of dirt, it gets super messy. So the majority is that. And then there's like little dirt sections in the corners, pothos because they can trample it and not have an issue with it. I don't really give them a basking spot because the room stays pretty warm. And if they get up under Mm -hmm. the fluorescent tubes, they can actually get into the nineties if they really want to. Yeah, nice. They, are, they do have the UVB over them. I don't know. There's like, of course, the big debate if they like need it or not, but I do have them with the tropical, the low mm-hmm. percentile. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Right. Nice. What about for diet? Are they, I, I know that they really like earthworms. Is that right? Yep, yeah. that's their favorite food. So when they're like going down for brumation or just waking up, it's like a lot of earthworms because I want them to be like nice and beefy and then they're like, Appetite could be a little drop till they heat up all the way again. So a lot of worms mm-hmm. then, but they've eaten dubias, crickets. It's a pain in the butt though, because the mm-hmm. water will be popping right. all in there. So, mm-hmm. and I've given them like pieces of shrimp and like little smells they'll eat as well. And we tried, we tried pinkies with the female yeah. and she eats them too. Yeah, I think it helps when she's pregnant. So yes, yeah. one time we give her that and that's definitely a moderation thing. That's yeah, not super, of course. That's what you can do very small amount but it's it's mostly bugs and earthworms they're not at oh they also i did recently try because someone told me they like this the rapashi grub pie oh cool like the the, bu- the the one for like beer dragons and blue tongue skinks and stuff and yeah, if yeah, you yeah. get that you know they cut it in little cubes and stuff and tong feed it to them they do actually like that a lot so that's a little bit that i started doing oh that's great that's cool yeah mm-hmm. really really cool that's just such a that's like one of those I don't know. There's just certain like species, you know, within herbiculture culture that are kind of iconic, you know, or charismatic species. And that's definitely one I think about a lot, you know, Shiniosaurus and my buddy, um, Danny, Danny Craig in the UK has had a lot of success breeding them. And he and I are always, always talking about him, always bugging him about those. Always post. He has so many. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a great person to reach out to about them for sure. But yeah, um, yeah, I know that you also, I mean, obviously, so it's you, you clearly have a strong emphasis on New Caledonian stuff. You know, that's like, you said you've been keeping Cressy since 2007, which is, that's not a small thing. That's a long time. You know, that's, that's some tenure, you know, I mean, I, um, I, you know, that's the year that I hatched Sulfurious the first time, you know, that, that uh-huh. clutch with my big male was 2007. And then I was away for 10 years 
you know, or 11 years. So I've only, I'm only back in herpetoculture for four years. So I still feel like a newbie coming back to it, but. Um, yeah. I mean, I've never had like hundreds and hundreds of crested geckos, but I've always had like a decent amount. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, you've got some experience with it and I know that you were saying, you know, kind of offline, you and I were, were um, messaging about them on Facebook a bit. And you were saying that you've got some kind of different ideas or some kind of <laughs> controversial opinions about um, how to, how to properly oh, um, keep new Caledonians. So I'm wondering oh, if gosh. you're willing, if we can open that can of worms a little bit, I'm curious to hear about it. Yeah, <laughs> Dan is Dan's trying to hold it together here. all the time over this, but like the bugs aspect, they need the bugs. There have been mm. like studies and like a huge part of their diet in the wild is still bugs. And people on mm. these groups just like sign on and read information and start repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And they're just like, oh, they don't actually need bugs. You can just give them like the fruit paste. And I'm like, but even if you think about it, like all the fruit in the wild is seasonal and there's bugs all over the place. Like they're going yeah. to find them. And, like, they grow so much better when you offer them. So I try for at least two times a week sometimes more it depends basically and like it's the bugs and the warmth as well like a lot of people mm -hmm. don't heat them or anything if it's like room temperature but room mm -hmm. temperature to someone could be like 68 degrees that's like way too cold for the majority of the time oh, like yeah. i'm cooling them right now because there's like a seasonal cycle so i don't have them at like 75 or 78 or anything they're like low 70s like high 60s but it's still not like constantly 60s for the whole time they're growing and stuff and i think that's why people have the problems where they have like little baby crested gecko and it never grows for them it's like two years old and it's still like six grams yeah yeah it seems like that's a really common thing mm -hmm. it's, it's the bugs and the heat the other thing yeah. like she can she'll look at them and 90 percent of the time we'll ask people at the shows because that's where I get most of my, I try to learn more at shows and then I'm like, all right, let me test this in my head and see if I actually want to try something. But yeah, you'll talk to somebody and be like, yeah, I don't feed them bugs. And their gecko is like a bean pole. It's just straight. Even and there's yeah. their eyes. Like it seems like their eyes grow faster than the rest of their body. If they're not eating bugs and I can look huh. at it and they're like, they're bug eyed anyway. They look kind of funny, but like, yeah. they'll be like, unproportionately large and you can sort of tell there's like this distinct weird look to it and that's like a thing so if it's having like visual like i can see some issues developing i think that like bugs and fruit and some heat are like the ticket for like the actual healthy crested gecko mm. yeah that makes a lot of sense to me and this also applies to gargoyles as well. I found the same thing. They all eat bugs. They all like bugs. But this this was the first year we were actually like breeding the gargoyles because we bought them when they were little itty bitty babies. So it took a couple years and they got big. So that's great. It reminds me of when we talked. I think it was when we were talking to uh, Doctor Chapman. I think um, an episode we had, and um, I think this she was talking about like with like lychees. You know, like how they're notorious for just like these like really runny, you know, oh yeah, runny yeah. feces on the glass. And like part of that is that like they actually need a little bit more like solid food. Essentially, they they, they will eat obviously up to eat other geckos, small yeah, geckos. Like that. Yet, I do hear like even in today in like one of the group chats I'm in for like various crusty gecko related stuff, they were talking they were complaining about their the lychee poop and having to clean it. Yeah. So, yeah, there, uh, there's a similar thing with with knobtail geckos, you know, like mm. Nephrostamii. 
which mm-hmm. I guess I had no idea for a long time. I didn't know that they were fairly predatory. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you give them some pretty substantial prey items. And so uh, there was a few times where I fed them, um, you know, instead of just feeding insects, I've given them like uh, <laughs> baby banded geckos. <laughs> they go nuts for those things. It's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a little rough, but, you know. Gotta do what you gotta totally. do. <laughs> like I know um one of Stacy's skinks upstairs is probably not natural prey, but it has the person that we got it from was keeping it in a basically they put a divider in an enclosure and they had uh, a small spiny iguana oh. and ended up getting in with the skink and the skink ate it. Oh my Whoa. god. He has a body count. <laughs> Yeah, oh God, he's got a body count. <laughs> you got to name him Ice T. <laughs> that's tight. Oh, that's <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Love it. That's good. Hilarious. Oh man, that's fantastic. That's the only one that's like actually really bit me because she loves food so much. I was putting a bowl of food down in there, and she got my thumb before I could put it away. Oh, oh my, my god, god. it hurt. there's so much i think sometimes i think uh i personally tend to underplay the way context can affect the behavior of the animals that i have so like one one of the ways i first started learning about this or first started being aware of it in 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 like more specific ways was when i was keeping uh collared lizards and chuckwallas and there would be you know a friend of mine uh, named Nick Dokai, he would he would actually keep them uh, occasionally. He would keep them together, where you keep some chucks in the same cage as some some collared lizards, because you know in the wild a lot of them share habitat. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll eat each other. But if you have adult chucks and adult collards, it's not really anything in general to worry about. And he would he would talk about how um, he would have collared lizards or chuckwallas steal food from one another. Right. And I, I remember him saying, Oh, this is how I got, you know, this is how a lot of my collards started eating greens because it's been known that collards will, it will occasionally eat vegetable matter and especially flowers and stuff, you know? And so I was like, Oh, that's pretty weird. So I remember keeping a couple of my Baja collared lizards in with my chuckwallas for a very short period of time and they started eating flowers. And I wonder, sometimes I wonder if that's like a context thing. Sometimes I wonder if that's like a, a microbiome thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. like what, uh, it's probably a whole mess of factors that go into changing something like that. And um, yeah, I didn't have a point with that. It was just something I was kind I of. Like, I feel like there's also some social cues in like input into that. I've seen people like problem feeder garter snakes in at least most people keep garters communally <clears throat> sorry and you'll see one or two start coming out and it's kind of like a hey why do they keep going here and they keep following yeah. and following right sooner or later oh yeah no you're totally yeah right. they like learn from the others yeah it's so true it's interesting yeah, yeah absolutely it's like there's a lot of food items that we like a lot of times people don't even like think to offer that could be good. Like the small woods and alls. I started oh, yeah. giving them like fruit and stuff and they actually like, they really like it. They really like raspberries and mangoes and anything that has like some sort of color for it. And 
Oh yeah. It's not you don't like hear that on like if you just read about them real quick, it's just like, oh it's all eats bugs and other lizards that are smaller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There was a guy who used to come into one of the reptile shops where I used to work, and he would come in once a week and buy Cuban tree frogs to feed his Cuban nitinol. Wow. He would just that's all he would fed. He that's all he fed him, like once a week. Whoa, what a trip. Yeah. There's there's been a few man, I worked at this crazy reptile shop called Reptilian Haven here in Colorado for a long time. There were some trippy, trippy folk that used to come. <laughs> Real trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eating Cuban, feeding Cuban tree frogs to Cuban nitinols. And like, there was a guy who used to come in who had a croc monitor that he kept in a, in a refurbished closet that he made uh. for this. And he would come in once every like two weeks or something like this and buy a dozen mice. And he would feed, that's all he would feed it once every two weeks. And this was... At PetSmart, there was some dude that swore that all his Savannah monitor needed was hot dogs. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah. God. That's, that's like, I oh, feel like that's the kind of stuff did. you'd see back in like like the 90s a lot. There was like a lot yeah. of stuff like that, you know? And I remember as a kid, you know people feeding dude, their monitors cat food and yeah. hot dogs. Imagine being a prisoner and the only thing you're getting fed is hot dogs. Like, oh, God, no. <laughs> I can't. That's so dark. That is so that is dark. So dark. Oh man. That's a good way to think about it, though. I mean, for real, it's, it's what it is. Um, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I'm taking us on a deep, dark turn there. Sorry. Well. <laughs> um. For kind of like, I mean, some of the stuff that you're describing working with is stuff that's kind of like rare and or kind of yet to be established within herpetoculture more broadly. So um, I'm curious, like how you, how you go about like orienting to that? Like, what do you, how do you feel about like working with wild caught herps and like um, just kind of that whole rabbit hole? Curious. So um, my progression, like I was telling you when I was trying to figure out how I was going to get to shows all the time was, um, <clears throat> For the first three, four years before I knew Stacy, I worked for two different wholesaler and importers. Mm, so okay. I got a lot of experience just seeing new things. That's when I kind of fell in love with Boega. I uh, was helping him unpack and he's just like, here, unpack this. Tossed me a bag and he's like, he doesn't really bring in anything that's dangerous. So I'm not worried about a cobra or something in there. <laughs> I just and pull out and... I had probably six Boega dendrophila. Three of them were latched on my arm. (laughs) God. Oh, cool. (laughs) And, you know, no adverse reaction back then. And, you know, just putting them away and kind of just learning the do's and the don'ts more or less of, you know, how to quarantine, start putting things in places, getting them acclimated, get them feeding water. And, that stuff to me was always interesting. Like I think a large majority of my Boiga um, that didn't come from Europe are wild caught animals. One of my mm-hmm. prized possessions is a wild caught Melanota. Um, and then like the Mueller skinks, it's stuff that, you know, you don't see very often that both me and Stacy are like the newest shenanigan. <laughs> it's yeah. something that we were going to ask about those. Yeah. I saw those and panicked. 
I yeah. saw those posted up and I panicked. Pretty cool. <laughs> it's one of those things like you can, if you have the right mindset going into it and like, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to do the best I can, you know, look at natural history, look at, you know, talk to other people. If you've seen any, go back and look at the forums, even though they're not as active anymore for old stuff to see yeah. just like how somebody start, get a baseline for it mm. and have that like, all right, so this is what everybody's kind of leaning towards. And you see like the new stuff and the old stuff where kind of things overlap and you're like, all right, this is probably the good stuff. So let me keep start from there and work forward. And, you know, first thing, you know, we have a little bit of difference and, um, <laughs> She wants to shotgun things. Most of the things that I've worked with and my mentor with Venomous, he's like, some of the things if you shotgun them, you're guaranteed killing them. Well, I waited with the molars. Yes. So, <laughs> but if like, if I see something, cause I have a microscope and if I mm -hmm. see something on a sample and it's worms, it's just mm -hmm. totally gross. I'm like, I'm going to touch them. They're going to go all over the house. It's terrible. My oh, brain gets yeah, really yeah. wild about that. <laughs> so, needless yeah, to say, everything is quarantined. So, <laughs> yeah it's such an important part <laughs> yeah that's uh that's interesting so so that's that's pretty that's that's really intriguing because um i definitely know some folks who kind of play it a little more fast and loose with their quarantine procedures and then some that that prioritize it very very strongly and i um still sort of like unsettled on on which i lean towards more myself because Obviously, I quarantine everything, right? I make sure that I'm very careful, especially now that nothing comes through the shop that I don't, that I'm not, you know, and I do extended quarantines too. It's not like some 30 day nonsense. My stuff's quarantined for 60 days for sure, minimum, mm -hmm. you know? And, but that's just because I've had too many examples of where I had something new, quarantined it for 30 days, everything seemed fine. And then something presented itself as soon as it came out of quarantine, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. but, but at the same time, uh, I also don't really, oh, I'm very, very hesitant to medicate myself. Like I'm very, unless something's actively wrong with the animal, I have a tendency not to, to err, toward, err, err on the side of not, not medicating most of the time. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that. And, uh, and I understand that and I don't blame them, but it's just something like if a wild caught ornate comes in and it's doing very well, I'm I'm really hesitant to just like nuke its microbiome. You know what I mean? Um, well, like a lot of the herbivores, they're more sensitive with that. I don't know if it's because of the diet related, but I've heard a lot of times like with the monkey tail skinks, you can't really treat them because like their flora will just be so like messed up from that though that they just won't survive. Interesting. I had not heard that. There's definitely like certain things, and like some a lot of people are like, oh, they're in quarantine, so paper towels, sterile environment and keep it as clean as possible as soon as it poops clean it right uh not it's not always the case and while like the muller skinks even after they complete quarantine they're one of those things we're probably going to work with either that's the only thing we're going to work with today or that's the last thing we're going to work with yeah sure, sure. Like, i didn't pay like we there's no way you could paper towel that it like we they went yeah. straight into it and moss and leaves because if you I think that's why a lot of people may have had trouble with them in the past because I heard some bad things when they've yeah. come in before and I think it's like trying to be too sterile with those would be a yeah. problem so we waited 
legitimately four weeks before we even started with treating them and it was very yeah. light right <clears throat> yeah yeah i think i'm sorry go ahead roy no no, no you, you dan go ahead <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say oh, with um like with that is even like in the situation with the mullers is you have that and kind of probably where you were going with this phil um yeah. not phil it's it's phil right i'm sorry yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, I just called you Roman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that was really, really funny. No, it's because I was, I I just felt, I thought that was Roy because I was looking at a picture of the Mueller's. You know what I mean? I was just, I was, I was just checking them out because I'm, I'm really into them. I'm just like, I, I, and I've been watching, I've actually, I saw your guys' posts when you got them and I was like, damn, that's a, I had never, I'd never seen them before. I was like, what the hell is that thing? Like, I've seen them. Yeah. And it's like, I'm never going to like have that because it just doesn't come in. So when they did, I was like, oh, no, we got even if this doesn't turn out in the long term, like to do well, at least I have to put in like the best effort that I possibly can. Because if they do get established and they do start having babies, they're really, really neat. Like they're starting to come out a little bit. They're not like completely under the dirt all the time. I see and I like I see them. So they're not completely. Yeah. <laughs> I have a side note for that that I'll tell a little bit later, but like you were saying, you don't want to kill that entire gut flora. Yeah. And in the wild, you're looking at, there's always a carrying capacity for some kind of parasite. Like even here, humans, we have something in us all the time. Like it's nothing, nothing's ever perfectly clean. Right. And we went on the lower end of that and just to kind of pull it down a little bit, just because the high stress of being imported moving mm-hmm. around two or three times between the importer to us or from another importer to a wholesaler to us for the second batch that we got. Yeah. Just give them enough to help them not get overtaken sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if you keep that clean and you're not cross going across, like, Hey, I'm going to go handle this hundred percent captive bred animal. That's bred in thousands like Cresties or something like that. Hey, sometimes they're still dirty. <laughs> Yeah, because um, people don't follow proper quarantine, then you're you're not really worried about getting them a hundred percent clean because they're sometimes they need something in their gut to help something. There's nematodes yeah. and certain animals that they need. There's um the Italian wall lizards. Actually, certain populations of them have more like a herbivorous diet, and there are nematodes that actually help them with that. Like they have like a relationship. With the actual yeah. parasite helping them digest vegetation. Huh. So, like, That's wow. so cool. Stuff like that, where you're not familiar, it could, it might have an adverse reaction. So, it, like, that's why shotgunning treatment to me is not a smart idea. Let them, if you see them struggling, then maybe. But, like, if they're not struggling, mm-hmm. like you're saying, Phil, like, you know, back off a little bit. Let them do what yeah. they do. And they're maintaining what they have in them. So, it's not a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And it well, especially with the Euros, you know, that it's, it's been long, well, not long, I guess, but it's sort of like understood now that Euros just happen to have, you know, they always have a little bit of pinworm in them. You know, it's just mm-hmm. something you typically see. And so, you know, I've had some where it's like, of course, some are going to have more than others. And depending on when you, you, you do the fecal and, you know, all those other factors, you might find more, you might find less. And I just like, 
I get a little skeptical. I'm like, do we really, you know, I'm not convinced that anybody really has like a super clear idea of exactly what the gut floor of a Euromastix is supposed to look like, because we don't have any, we don't even know what is going on with our own. You know what I'm saying? Like we have no idea what's going on with the human microbiome either. So it's like, you're gonna be hard pressed to tell me it's like, well, you you know what, you know what I mean? But I, I understand that that's not the, the rationale behind, behind medicating either, you know? And I also, I medicate all the time if I have to, you know, something goes weird and, you know, the animal's losing weight and it's got an, it seems to have like a huge amount of pinworm or something, then yeah, of course we're going to do a treatment. Like mm-hmm. not going to let the animal suffer. You know what I mean? But I bet you a million dollars. Like I would never, I, I am, I am 100% sure if you tested all of my euros, they would have some amount of something. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Like I have no doubt in my mind. Like not a not a single doubt in my mind. But they're but all of them, they handle. Every, you know what I'm. I don't know. Maybe that sounds really bad, but I don't. I don't think so. It's like they, they, you know, none of them. They all have great appetites, great health. They get checked frequently. Like they're they all my animals are in tippy top form. Yeah. Like I don't think there's anything going on that is shouldn't be going on at the shop, right? So, um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm losing my train of thought at the moment. I've been, uh, <laughs> it's, been a- it's probably just like their baseline of normal. They probably are healthy and they're built to just, that is, that is healthy for them. Yeah. yeah. But like a lot of stuff, I don't know if it's like, because this is like a newbie species, but I've gotten a lot of crested geckos that have had like severe overgrowth of sure. worms when I've received them from like, even like decent like they just arrive and then you see the sample and it's just like loaded so i have to end up treating a lot of those new caledonian species when i do get them and they do go in quarantine and it is definitely over over 30 days because you have like the other stuff with geckos like they can get crypto too which is really really bad so yeah that yeah. could take a while to show up because i have a friend who it didn't like show up within the first 30 days and they had their new stuff tested and some of it had it. So if they would have just done 30 days, they could have killed like all their geckos if they put those and thought they were safe. Yeah. 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 And of course, and I, I just want to make sure that it's clear that I'm not like, be, I am not in any way trying to be critical of, of what you're doing at all. Like, just so that's clear. I just wanted to, just wanted to make sure that that didn't come. There's several levels, like with the crescent geckos, that's how I do it with the, the molars. Yeah. We did that differently because they're so weird and we don't know that much about them. Like I have, yeah, I have a couple of boys in my collection that I just don't want to treat because they're super slender. Like, yeah, they have a little bit of density to them, but like, the Multimaculata that I have and the one Banculuensis that I have that is the beta national species or just the variant of trapezii mm-hmm. are untreated from when they got here. They eat. I let them be. And it's just like, I know you probably, the Malto I'm hundred percent sure has parasites, but I'm just like, all right, you're eating, you're shedding. I'm going to let you be. Cause last time I, tr- I did try to treat them and it, I don't know if the kidneys were, it just didn't help with the kidneys because mm-hmm. being transported and being kind of like a high humidity species, like they just didn't go well. Or so I'm like, all right, let me pull back, keep it in quarantine, keep it away from the rest of the collection and just let it kind of hold out here. Maybe do a little bit of like a microdose treatment to see if I can get something out of it and see yeah, yeah. if it starts going that way. But, you know, like you were saying, it's, See, maybe it has a norm of having just having parasites. So it's, and just, it's just like those, those like high humidity, like in those species that get imported all the time. 
I'm like, their kidneys could get wrecked in the span that it takes them to get from the importer to like the wholesale and then to your house. So if anybody yeah. in the past wasn't like hydrating them good enough, they could already be like doomed by the time you get them. And then you could just put them over the edge if you treat them. So yeah, sure. Absolutely. It's pretty much been my, my approach with the Polychris too, for pretty much the same reason. It's like, I think that, you know, they're, they almost invariably just come in so dehydrated. They've already got, you know, issues, the kidneys likely happening. And um, I have always just elected to go really light on treatment yeah. for them. As long as they're like eating well, as long as they're gaining weight, um, I try not to get too worried about it. I mean, down the line, like if once they've been, you know, in quarantine for a few months and as long as they're in there, they've got good weight and they seem solid, then sometimes I'll do, I'll run fecals and, and um and treat like like i said light but um yeah i think that with so many species that are just a little bit more sensitive you know and they're already coming into hydrated they don't especially species like like dan like what you said about the boiga that just don't have a lot of heft you know they don't have a lot of like um fat stores you know i think it can be really difficult i also see it with stuff like you know like chironius and like you know, some of the um, like super lean, fast colubrids from South America that come in often, they're like totally loaded with parasites because they're a neurin, a neurin specialist, you know, they're eating all these frogs, but um, they have just no body fat. <laughs> yeah. And so the margins for error are super, super narrow. Well, and yeah. But, oh, but, sorry. Uh, so I was just going to say that, um, and I definitely like, I definitely treat each different animal that I have a little bit differently. You know what I mean? In yeah. terms of, yeah, like obviously, like I think that's what you guys are saying too. You know, there, there's definitely been times where, you know, like I have gotten it, I've probably brought for, you know, a per, you know, the number of euros I've had in my care that have been transitioning from wild to captive. It's a pretty high number, you know, like it's not it's not an absurd number, but it's a lot more than people might think, you know, because some of them you lose, you know, and a lot of it's so much of it seems like timing. Like how quickly did you get them? How long were they sitting at that importer? Like you guys were just talking about as well, you know, like um, some animals I've gotten in on that look just awful, you know, just like razor hip bones. They're like a little bit sunken in, they're a little down, they're a little beat up. And in a, a little, you know, just a, just a few days of, of proper conditions with just a little bit of water and a little bit of better food, they perk up and they do just, they honestly, some of them can just take right off and just hit the ground running. It's like they get so depleted and so jacked by the time they get to your place that just the, just giving them what they needed in the first place is like, boom, let's, let's go, you know, and they'll just blast off. And then some might arrive in decent form where they don't look, you know, they have good body weight, they seem active and grumpy, maybe the first few days they eat and everything seems fine. And after a few days, then it kind of sets in, then the stool gets weird, then the weight starts to be lost. And it's like, ah, you had something that was just hanging out in there. You know what I mean? And then as soon as you got where you needed to, bam, it hit, you were just immunosuppressed enough to like, let it just, and it could have just been coincidence or timing. Um, another random thing. So I really recently got in a group of, uh, uh, Kinixis speci, the, the hingeback tortoises, you know, and it's like this total, you know, it's like this new project for me is something I'm really trying to like learn as much as I can. And I've been getting a lot of help from Jeremy over at the, uh, Kinixis working group, like great guy, great help. It's been fun. 
And they were all together for the first several weeks here, you know, because I was just trying to get them in place and get them happy, get them doing their thing, just making sure everybody's eating, you know, get, make sure they're clean and get some photos, get some weights, you know, just the whole scene. And when you're bringing somebody new in and I split them over the last week or so, I split them up into individual solo cages because that's the way Jeremy's advised me to do this. And he's having great success. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it. So I split them into solo cages and just from two days solo, they're all their shit solidified. Like it was runny, like it was blasted diarrhea before that. Like mm-hmm. also, you know, like Jackson Pollock diarrhea. <laughs> like it was gnarly <laughs> diarrhea. And in <laughs> two days of being by themselves, it's pellets now. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying they're not going to get some medication. They may need it, right? It's mm-hmm. but, but the point is just like that alone is pretty damn crazy. It's wild yeah. what just better conditions will let an animal kind of take care of themselves in some ways, in some situations, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like maybe I brought us off topic. Did I, I feel like, no, you, no, 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 I didn't. If I seem a little out of it, I'm just a little bit sleepy. Like I've been, I've been <laughs> like ripping hard in my daily life. And I, and by the time Friday hits, I'm still just like a little bit tired from training and from, all this other stuff. And I'm like, Oh man, I got to pull back a little bit. So sorry if I seem a little bit delirious and maybe a little less coherent than normal. No, no, not at all. Cool. At least not that I noticed. You're always like that, man. You're just always a little bit delirious. I always get a little wild, dude. ADD. That'll do it. (laughs) I can't judge. I work midnight to noon and it's peak season right now. So it's six days a week. Oh man. I feel for you, sir. (laughs) That's dark. <laughs> that takes a different that takes a different kind of constitution to be able to pull that off, man. Yes, it does. If you look at most of my collection, it's nocturnal. So, yeah, exactly. Like I'm I'm going to work and all my stuff's out. I'm like, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. All right. Oh, the cool. boy got the googly eyes. They're pupils. As soon as the lights go off, it's so funny. They look like just like oh, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I kept dendrophila dendrophila a long time ago, and I they're they're different animals at night. Like it's yeah. no comparison at all. Like um, even like any of the nocturnal stuff, like I feed all the geckos before the lights go out for a reason, <laughs> because if I'm late one day and the lights go out and they activate, it's just they're, they're jumping all over the place. Oh, and like <laughs> last yeah, night, a whole other thing. It was just like, here, hold this gecko. Wackodactylus <laughs> 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 at me while I'm feeding stuff, basically. Oh my God. <laughs> Hey, so you know what? I have a bit of a maybe what might seem like a somewhat tangential question for you guys because um, I love scrolling your Instagram account. Like you guys take—I mean, I don't know—maybe it's just one of you, but I, I'm <laughs> kind of lumping the two of you together. Who's responsible for the pictures? That's you, Stacy. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay, so this is something I ta- I've I talked to a lot of close friends about this. And it's, I, it's not something I necessarily talk about. I've, I, it's not something I've like aired out on the show, but like, God damn it, dude, taking good pictures is not hard. People need to do it. It's so, <laughs> so valuable. I've got people for that before. Like I've got people that are like, oh, look at my lizard. And they're like in this like yellow bathroom light. Yeah. And it's <laughs> Stop. The color yeah. temperature is all wrong. 
Oh Go my like God. near a window or something, dude, and do the same thing. It's gonna look five thousand times better. <laughs> yeah, or people, outside if you can. It's a little yes. too cold out for outside pictures right now, but yes. when you I can, two, they're like. I have two friends that ha- that are both Euromastix breeders, and bless their souls, they they take just the <laughs> garbage photos. I'm like, dude, I'm I I'm going to tell you, you you spend seventy five fucking dollars on a point and shoot digital camera and turn the flash on and put the lizard in a white box. Do yourself a fucking favor and quit taking or and, you know said, oh it's summertime. Go out in go outside in the shade when your animal's at its best. Tap the phone so it focuses like this is so not difficult at all. And it's it's, probably, if both my hands are occupied, I'm like if I have the whole I'll be tapping the focus button with like my nose. Yes. To get a spot. Yes, dude. Yes. <laughs> Like, and here, but here's the thing. I think that people think that this is vain. I don't think this is vain at all. I think that there is great value in refining this part of your uh, capacities as a herpeticulturist, as a herpeticulturist. And I'll, let me allow, this is going to get a little esoteric, but I think y'all will relate. I think you're going to get this. So I think that if you're going to take photos of your animals, knowing how to photograph them properly is going to force you to understand how they tend to respond to changes in stimuli based on, you know, like if they're an, if they're a reptile whose color and um, like saturation and darkness ebbs and flows with temperature, mood, and stimuli, you need to know why and how that happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So you need to know what's going to cause your animal to either get darker, lighter, less, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, being able to take good photographs means that you're attentive to the appearance of your animal, which means that you're paying attention to external. If there's anything on the animal that isn't good, right? Like I'm paying attention to the scalation texture. I'm paying attention to the sheen of the scales hydration. I'm paying attention to clear eyes. I'm paying attention to what's on my animal, which means that I'm probably paying attention to what's going on in my care. Like if someone if, if someone was going to, if I was going to do, do business with anybody, whether I'm buying a reptile or like trading someone a reptile and they send me shit photos, I'm not doing it. I'm, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if it's a Fiji iguana, which I would happily go to jail to get one, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> you know, There's like, crappy, you know, like sometimes I'll risk it for the biscuit. I've bought like some geckos from crappy photos and they've been like, Oh, that was nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And it, look, and I've definitely dealt with people who take terrible photos and the animals are just fine. Like if this isn't across the board, I'm just saying it's be, it's like become a general rule because I think it's so important. Right. And there's two more, two more, two more reasons. One, you can tell a lot about an animal and it's caging by the way people take photos and the things they take photos of, because if you're an attentive, observant person to your animals, you're not going to post a photo with that animal in a cage that looks like shit, that is filthy and jacked up, that doesn't have the right accoutrement and furniture and everything for that animal. You're going to make sure that you're doing, it's going to help at least keep you honest enough to not photograph something that's going to make you look like a dunce, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen um, people do that before. I'll be looking in the background of like Instagram photos and I'm like, hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that whole thing actually helps you. It's like the sort of like, You're like you know, if that's too it, dirty for me to take a photo of. It, maybe I got to clean this. Maybe it gets me <laughs> on my, my yes. a little bit more. But yes. like, 
And I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm so passionate about this topic and I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I can vent this to the, to all of you because the three of you get it right. Um, learning to take photos of your animals is a way of learning to be more transparent about not mm-hmm. just your methods, but your sales practices, right? Mm-hmm. I can tell if someone takes a picture of a Euromastix from very specific angles, I can tell if they're fucking hiding something. And I know mm-hmm. they're hiding oral the oral buildup of shit around the mouth that some Euros get. They're hiding a scar. They're hiding the, the actual weight of the animal based on the angle that they put it at. Did they give it a big soak beforehand? Did they, did they clean that animal off? Is that animal likely to look more jacked up if you didn't just spruce it up right before the picture? And I know what to look for, right? Because I, I have to take those pictures myself and I don't not trying to lie to anybody. I want everybody to see the everything that's perfect about my animal. So I take a picture of it in a very specific way and you do the same thing. You take phenomenal photos of your stuff and it shows them in such a way that it's like, look at how great I care for everything I have. You know what I, mean? <laughs> like it's- like, I don't think I'm like a photo expert or anything. You know, the majority of those photos are just from like my iPhone. I yeah. didn't have a yeah. real camera till like two weeks yeah. ago when my best friend gave me their old one. So it's not even a brand new camera. And, right. And the switch is even better. <laughs> <laughs> and the iPhone, it's what an iPhone six. Eight. So it's it's not even like a newer one. It's got like those three cameras. It's like Pro Max. Like I can, yeah. I got taken like selling these pictures for like eight hundred dollars. You know, at a wedding. It's, it's, it's an iPhone. It's not new, right? Which, is, in my opinion, speaks even more to that because you you're, you're not you're not able to like gussy up the image in any way. It's just yeah. like it is is perfect. And the last thing is you can tell when someone you know because. When you learn how to, so, and I mean, you might, I'm sure you're in a similar position, not just with iPhone pictures, but um, with a photo that you take on like a fancy camera and upload into your computer, it doesn't matter what editing software you're using, whether it's on the iPhone, the software that comes stock on the damn iPhone, or whether it's Adobe Photoshop. If you don't know how to edit your photos, I know when you're bullshitting me about color, right? Because that <laughs> happens all the time. It's so easy when you Background see someone. Will change. Yes, exactly. When you mm-hmm. see someone and they're like, here's my blue Euromastix and it's against a background and there's something in the background that looks like a fucking highlighter and it's just like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, you just went in there, cranked up that saturation bar and you didn't pay attention to the fact that it totally betrayed any sense of honesty you have in your own image. So like they've got like, like, like tiles on the ground and all the, it's the same floor, yeah. but it's different colors every time. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. The the background and the context changes. You're like, oh. This is all horse pucky or like. And that's why I was really getting it. Like I was really, I was about to buy an actual camera camera. If I didn't get this gifted to me, I would have bought one because iPhone has like auto white balance. And sometimes Mm -hmm. even that could screw you up. Like the background will be different colors and you don't even have to edit. It's just the lighting is weird that day. Yes. Totally. That's annoying to me because I see it with my eyes and I'm like, that's not correct. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's so infuriating and I have an art degree. So I like, I have like been trained for more like two decades, how to see when someone's like fucking with you with a picture. Like, I know you're a liar, dude, stop it. You know? And I, you know, oh, it just drives me. 
bananas. And I'm so psyched. So anyway, I just wanted to comp that's people undervalue that dramatically. And like, that is one of the reasons that you're even just your Instagram is a joy to follow because it's excellent photos of, impe- <laughs> of impeccably cared for animals in great lighting. And in like, it's just keep just keep crushing it. God damn. It's great. It's a little tough in the cold months because obviously you can't bring like geckos outside and stuff for the best sunlight, but sure. sure, Of course. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, I get it. But still there's ways of like, not, you know, you don't have to go from like beautiful imagery to like, it looks like someone just sent you a picture from inside their you know, like inside their bathroom, like you were saying. Yeah, you know, calling it bathroom lighting because it's always like yellow tinted, and the whole so yellow yeah. has yeah. a filter over it. It's like the lighting we have right now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. If someone sends me a photo, like, like if someone sends me a photo like this Zoom recording looks like, I'm not gonna do the reptile with that. I'm not gonna do the. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, the best thing that like even if you don't like know like if it's your first photograph ever, just like go outside and use the natural lighting or go by a window mm-hmm. or like you yeah. like even the UVB bulbs in the enclosures put out a nice wavelength for pictures, in my opinion. Like even the in cage yeah. photos are nice. So do the Arcadia. Yeah. I, I well like I and that's you they do UVB so it's yeah. Uh <laughs> Shout out to our new sponsor, Arcadia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I also use Arcadia for all the yeah. euros. I love, I love their products. They're great. Uh, Arcadia, if you guys want to work out any sponsorship or anything, you can just text me or Roy. You can send us an email. <laughs> Project Herpet. I didn't post them yet. Or at gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> I got some really good photos of like the small woods and owls in cage with the Arcadia lights. So shout out whenever that happens. That's what lights it was. <laughs> oh, Arcadia. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let me hey, some jungle. Please. <laughs> oh man. All right. I'm, Those are so nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting us way off course here. Sorry, Roy. Well, let me just, no, no, that's good. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that whole thing and I, I totally get it. It's important I'm to geek me. about the lighting and the photos too. Yeah. I can tell. I'm actually like I w- I want to get like a a nicer camera. My camera's like ten or fifteen years old at this point, and I want to get like a newer one so I can like an up my game in that regard. But you take great photos anyway. Thanks. Yeah, I like I like to do it. Like, there's um there's someone that follows our Instagram that legitimately like who told us that they see the photos and they're like getting like over their fear of snakes basically because of our Instagram and it's like not a person at all. And they're just, they happen to follow us. So I think they're like one of one of my sister's friends. Yeah. 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 My stuff. And I see her on occasion. She's like, they make me like think like, Oh, they're pretty. And like, it just gets gets rid of that negative. Like, you know, she's not coming on a candle, but it's like, they're not that, evil slimy like mongering <laughs> thing that everybody <laughs> depicts them to be yeah totally so i want to backtrack to something a little bit just because you mentioned it in passing and i don't know how much you want to talk about this but i'm curious if you want to tell us at all about that melanota that you mentioned as being one of your prized possessions so it's also a melanota that is featured on that instagram you can see some beautiful photos of the people but that's those are, those are some recent photos that like I need to get some recent photos of her. We haven't bothered her I, like at all. Basically, she, she gets yeah. fed and 
East West alone. Um, but she, a good friend of mine, I, I don't know if he wants me to publicly say his name, uh, calls me up. Swarmed by messages. Nine o'clock on a Thursday is like, hey, this is coming in a box. Um, what do you think it's worth? And <laughs> my, my immediate response is like, you can be, it's okay if you say this is a low ball offer, but I'm going to give you a number and it, you're just going to say yes or no. And <laughs> like, I know it was coming in with really bad nose rub and just other than that, it looked fine from the photos that I got. I actually found the photo, the person who had it in Malaysia that imported yeah. it. I, I found his Instagram and I was like, that's my snake. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so for those of you that probably aren't familiar with it, it's a striped variant of Melanota. To my knowledge, it's only two or three of them that are known at, that I can think of. It's the only one in the United States that I know of. Um, so normally they're vertical banding all the way down, like one scale line versus the dendro dendros, which have like a little bit of triangle and they don't always meet at the top. But this one has just a straight racing stripe down the side that, you know, grows a little bit in width as it goes down, but came in and took frozen thawed meals right off the bat. That's so good. Uh, it was... <laughs> when it eats really like that's that's yes. one of the reasons, like that like we're 99% sure it's a melanota because it's like a stereotype of anytime mm -hmm. a dendro comes in you're struggling to get it to start feeding like oh, almost yeah. always like there's very few times and like melanota just come in so much girthier and they just start off like anything that has like a Malaysian Indo counterpart like mm -hmm. goniosoma or one of them size in general is just massive difference it's yeah i've noticed that too yeah i've noticed that also that i can substantiate that a little bit from my own experience just the the dendrophila that i had were dendrophila dendrophila and they were not easy to get going on food they took a long time they eventually came around but it was it was forever to get them to go but that snake is amazing i'm so glad that it's doing well for you because i remember when you when you were when you first got it, I think you, you sent me a couple of pictures and I was like, oh man, I was like so excited. But also it was like, it was one of those moments where it's like, I'm excited for you, but I'm also like, God, please don't let anything happen to that snake. I, I, you know, I, I, just, I, no pressure. Like, yeah. I, uh, my, like the person I go to and I bounce questions off a lot of when it comes to boy guys names, Chris, I, I'm not going to try to say his, the names. I'm not going to try to say his yeah, last yeah, name. Yeah. He's in the Netherlands, um, right? Yeah, but yeah. He, uh, he's never even seen one in person, and yeah. he's like he, he gets all the stuff coming through ham and stuff over in Germany. So he has like a lot of the stuff that we get that comes in, it filters through. So they get they pick out a lot of the nice stuff, and it's like, Dibs. yeah. That, that came here. I was so happy. Um, that was straight here. So yeah, yeah. a couple people you know, make offers on it when they found out about it. And I politely declined. That snake will never leave here unless I'm getting out of the hobby. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like, she's like a pet too. It's not like she's. Yeah. 
it's not just like a money value thing. The goal is yeah. to breathe and try to prove that out if it's provable or if it's just a paradox that's like a one off. Mm-hmm. So, think it's hopefully, so cool. it's so cool you're able to find the original person who found it in Malaysia too on Instagram. I, I had the same thing happen with a. I have a a, a Phrynonax polylepis that's super weird. It's like solid red. And it's like the only one that any of us have seen that looks like that. And same thing. I I found the person who 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 originally collected it in Suriname had posted it, and I was like, "That's that's the snake." <laughs> and he and I messaged about it and everything. It's so wild. It's like the social media. You know, it's like it makes the world a lot smaller somehow. God damn. I'd love to be able to do that. That'd be so cool to do with a Euro, man. Have something. Oh, yeah. Be like, I got this. Do you want it? Be like, yeah, dude. Yes. <laughs> yeah, send it over. Just something weird. That'd be tight. I mean, I well, found this... the, the best one I ever did was found like baby pictures of a baby Eastern blue tongue skink that I bought, which they're all in the United States. They're all captive bred. Yeah. But I still think it was funny that I found. It's like litter photo because the dude who originally bred it posted it on Facebook and I'm like the third or fourth owner. So it's wow. pretty it be fine. So I managed That's to get really like cool. all the past information on it. So That's so <laughs> cool. I love finding stuff like that. Like a limited lineage animal, like with those guys since very limited came through and it's like, all right, who has these? There's like six people that has these. Okay. Didn't come from you, didn't come from you, didn't come from you. So there's three people here. <laughs> Yeah, and just like back tracing, like detective work to figure out, hey, who bred this? I mean, both of my Easterns have come like third and fourth hand, and I've found their original breeders just because not too many people work with them. So, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I love that stuff. I mean, with this, with this, um, this Frinonax that came in, it was really funny because when it came in, um, it, it ended up, I think it ended up at like underground. And then from there, um, they, it was labeled as a, a Chironia scurrilus, the, the red rusty whip snakes. And then, um, my friend Brittany got it with the intent to send it to Ashley at Northern lights. And when it yeah, got I- to Brittany, Brittany was like, I don't think this is a Chironius. I don't know what it is though. And she, she messages me and she's like, do you know what this thing is? And I was like, Whoa, that's a really weird looking Phrynonax. Like what the heck? Where did that come from? And she's like, do you want it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was yes. like originally labeled through the import. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's, oh, it just came yeah, in as yeah. Chironus. I'm surprised you haven't had her on yet. She's got a lot of cool stuff. Brittany. Yeah. I've tried. She, she, um, she and I have a running joke that, uh, like, she, I mean, she, she's, she's a hermit, which I am too, but she's I'm like a hermit. another level. <laughs> I know we all are, but, um, I think but she, she and I are, are constantly joking about it. And, um, I have to, I have to come through with like a really, really cool, really rare snake and send it to her first. Um, something, something podcast worthy before she'll come on the show. So it might be a while, but hopefully someday. (laughs) Let me know what you're looking for. I have a lot of friends that do imports. So I, I I get get, get a little bit of an inside track on things. 
All right, all right. I'll send. I'll send. The, I'll send you the list. It's a pretty short list of extremely <laughs> obscure, rare South I'm, American I'm snakes. Guess, but I'm gonna guess the Xenodon Warnerize on that list. I think it's up there. Yeah, it's one of them. <laughs> she and I are always talking about those. I, I, w- I really would love to have a crack at those someday, but no one's been successful yet. They're tough. I think one of my regrets is, um, have you seen the pictures circulating around of the uh, Leophis typhus, the velvet swamp yeah. snakes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sold him the mail that he bred. I oh, nice! And I'm like, yeah, those are really cool snakes. You got the female from one of the importers up here that I, I know. I'm not good friends with him, but I know him. Uh-huh. So like, I've seen him. I've got stuff from for Zach from him and stuff like that. But nice. At least, at least it bred. There's babies yeah, floating around that, now. That's that's like the the <laughs> yeah. one thing like I find enjoyment out of like and why I kind of started where I started was like. Not to play the you know gotta catch them all sort of thing, but like I like yeah. to see the, the new species you know come in and get established to people. And like I've sold stuff for at cost for what I pay for it, and, you know, not even worrying about like the feeding and the like, acclimating process. Yeah, yeah. Just so I can get somebody that I feel like will do good care, sort of like how Ashley did, but she kind of got screwed yeah. over recently with the her chironis. Yeah, thing. yeah. And that's like a thing that too. gives so many cool things that you would like to work with that it's like you can't like we have a lot of stuff i can't like we can't have all of the stuff so mm-hmm. yeah it's tough because like when something shows up you like if that's never gonna come in again dude yeah it's 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 definitely it, it does seem to be one of those things where it's so hard to focus N- not focus that's not it it's it's so hard to like say, ah, all right, I, th- I think I'm at my limit, you know, mm-hmm. you, get, you know, just like we were talking about getting creative with your parents when you're a kid trying to be like, well, you say I can't get any more bearded dragons, but if I breed them and then I'm, you know what I mean? Then it's technically I'm not getting, I'm not buying anymore. You know, like you're using the fine print, the same thing kind of happens in your own mind. Like I, I'm not yeah. joking. I've spent the entire day, this entire day looking up, um, <clears throat> excuse me, looking up uh Mississippi slimy salamanders. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm totally going to get, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to get like a, you know, I'm going to buy like five or six shoe boxes and then buy like five or six salamanders just cause like it would, how cool would that be to mess with those and, you know, get a better understanding of amphibians and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You stupid dork. You have a desert lizard facility. Where are you going to put them at home? Like we- the tough part is like, we've like, a heck of a variety, but most of the stuff that I have, with the exception of like one lizard, the leaf nose, they're not in the lizard room because the lizard room ambient is too warm. So anything that can go in like that ambient is, I will consider it. I'm, I have a very short list of like things that I really, really want to add, but that's what's going on in there. And I know that the snake room's pretty much in the same boat, but we don't keep it as toasty. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I'm I'm always having to like, if I'm going to throw something in here, it's going to have to be, you know, it's like the Xenogama fit just fine because they're also, they're like euros, you know, just wanted hot Mm -hmm. as balls, but you know, uh, the tortoises. All right. Well, the Kinex is going to be okay because it's pretty cool ambient and then it rises Mm -hmm. up a little ambient in the summer, but that's pretty typical. They're like, they're going to tolerate that. You know, I don't have to put any supplemental lighting on them. So they're going to fit in just great. Oh, I got the 
the Pilbara now. Ah, well, it's it's a fucking rock monitor. It wants the same bashing. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, yeah. I would really like to have those someday. Us, uh, yeah. It's like impulse control, but it's like <laughs> controlling your ambition is more. Yeah. Like- yeah, 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 yeah. I really like that. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a good way to say it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I definitely feel that with with just what I'm working with here. A lot of it's just like space limitations and kind of I kind of set myself up like, all right, once this space is full, that's it. You know, then it's like if I want to bring something in something else in, I have to let something else go, you know. And um I feel like that's a good way for me to manage it. Cause I think that if I had an unlimited amount of space. I would just be tempted to keep it just expanding. Like I'm like a gas, you know, I just like expand to fill the volume. So like I have a decent amount of free time, but mm. I don't have unlimited space. So yeah. that's, that's the whole deal. Yeah. There's yeah. a, uh, in, you know, it came up in, in, I went to art school. Right. And I took a lot of fine art and philosophical courses around art and drawing and painting when I was in college. And there's this concept called horror vacui, which is like the fear of the mm-hmm. void. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of psychological explanations for this. And like here, you know, that's why we fill space. That's why we doodle on, on blank pages is because there, we've got like this fear of the void. We want to fill it with mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Oh, that's why like, the myth of empty cages is a real thing. Cause like you, it's, yeah. you know what I mean? You're like afraid of empty cages. You're like, no, 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 no. I got to fill that up. Otherwise I'm going to be tempted, you know, like I'm going <laughs> to. <Yeah. laughs> I love that. That's the one thing like, you know, between the two of us is she has the, the like the one thing and she'll, she'll figure out like how, like where she's going to put everything. Yeah, and then she just looks at me, and it's like, "All right, go." <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's what happened with the, the spinomorphus. Like we were talking, got the call, like the, the Mueller skinks, and yeah, yeah, like hey, they're here. And I think in like two hours, it was like, "I'm like, hey, look, where are you gonna put them?" She's like, "But I don't know about." I'm like, "That's the question. Where are you gonna put them?" Mm-hmm. Figured it out. Figured it out, and I was like, <laughs> "All right." That's covered. We're good. Phone <laughs> calls were made. And you they know, got shipped out even before I paid them. This, nice. This, this actually leads me. I hope you guys don't mind me asking this question. And and please feel free to like be like, nah, we're just not really going to cover that. But I'm I'm curious. What's it like being in you're like having it so your significant other is just into the same thing as you? I mean, that's do you guys ever have any conflicts around like I what wanted to ask that too? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because because like my fiance is amazing. She's super, she loves all the reptiles. She's fully supportive, but she, she is not a keeper, you know? So it, I'm curious about how that dynamic goes, uh, at least for your guys' experience. She, um, like, you know, she definitely has a different quarantine ideals versus me. Like there's still quarantine with me. It's a little bit looser. Um, but it's, Nowhere near as strict as hers. I'll give her. I that. get real paranoid. <laughs> but like, it's probably it's, it, it's good and bad though to have her as you know being the same hobby and everything because it's like it's hard to turn off. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's times where you kind of want to turn off every once in a while. It gets sure. a little bit hard to do that, but at the same time, it's like with me since it's not the same. 
she's talking about lizards 90% of the time. I'm talking about snakes the other 90% of the time. So that the time where I got to turn off, it's okay for me because she'll just come and bounce ideas off me. It's like, uh-huh. hey, this project, I'm doing this, but I might need a little bit of space because I'm trying to maintain like how big my collection of Cresties is. So it's like, all right, <laughs> what's your goal here? And <clears throat> just kind of easier to bounce off ideas and just pull back and kind of constrain yourself and control and, you know, shift your ambition. You going back to that word, like, yeah, yeah. Teeth. but, uh, <laughs> you a, a little bit more control and maybe a better way from somebody like outside that you're asking your wife, like, Hey, I'm going to breed this. It's better. To, like, it's easier for us to go back and forth and be like, is it worth going into this? You know, other than the fact that, like we like them, does it, really makes sense with the plan that we're trying to enact and everything like that versus somebody who you have, you know, they, they're supportive and they want to see you do whatever you want to do, like makes you happy. But at the same time, it's like they, they're not in it and they don't really see like the little intricacies that you normally wouldn't get. Yeah. Like how we have our parents who weren't keepers <laughs> to let us have yeah, this. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, it's not like a constant, like, yes, we should get this, 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 and this, and this, there's always like a, a discussion on it. It's not like just yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, we will, we can put that. It's always like an actual, like, can we do this like the correct way? Is it going to be good? Like, it's not just constant totally. because people are in the same hobby. It's like, oh yeah, we can have all of the things. Right, right. Well, and, and you know, because the other thing I was thinking about was the ways that um, a partner who's working on um, the same uh, kind of projects that you are, if you're collaborating, then like, I was wondering, you know, it's, it's, I'd, I'd imagine you get ideas, you bounce off of one another for problems that you guys might be finding in your own collections. Like even my, my fiance and my mom and my dad have all contributed, like, because they don't, because they're not in, directly involved that sometimes they're far enough removed that yeah. they give me something that's like, oh shit, I didn't even think of that. You genius, you beautiful yeah, genius, yeah. you know, and you freak out, <laughs> you know, you're like, wow, you know, but then, then it's someone uh, I would imagine that would come up more, uh, at least it might happen more often when it's the person that you're with is also very invested. Like, yeah, maybe you guys would fall in some, in some of the same mistakes, but you probably bound, there'd be a lot of balance in, in that and, mm-hmm. you know, helping there's like a tug of war in some regard, not in a combative way, but just in a intellectual tug of war, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, this, clearly this is working better. It's like, all right, fine. This is a better idea. You know, I don't know. It's just a, it definitely does happen like we've definitely you know certain things have been at odd for over over certain things and i've jumped the gun on grabbing some things for her that like she talked about but like we never really discussed the plan and you know stuff like that and gone back and forth that way but it it definitely is like it kind of helps push you though you know having that person because you're like seeing their success you're seeing their not failures, but like their their mishaps and it's everything. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Like an internal competition between the two of us. Oh my gosh! For me, to me at least, <laughs> <laughs> it might be different to her. But, yeah. Yeah. And it's like even even like not even like partners and stuff, but even when you're talking to like other keepers, I like like anyone who's been working with any species that's their thing for any significant amount of time has like all those little. Yeah. Occasionally, pearls of wisdom that yeah. you only yeah. get from working with that species or making the mistakes yourself. So, if you talk to them, then like 
you will get that. <laughs> yes, yes. If they share it, because some people don't always share their knowledge, but if you're in it for long enough, you'll learn all of it basically if you're intuitive with uh, whatever species. Yeah, yeah well, totally. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, that's that's something that's a theme we come back to a lot in a lot of our conversations on this show is like having some kind of responsive, intuitive relationship with your animals, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the feeling that that seems that seems to be where the real meat and potatoes of why we keep in the first place seems to be. It's like, oh, yeah, like I love this weird relationship I have with this crazy uh weird pac-man that lives in my fucking house like it's just <laughs> like pork chop my egyptian you know like mm-hmm. I was, we were having a conversation before we before you guys hopped on um on zoom and i was talking to roy about how like <clears throat> you know there's a lot going on in my life and there's a lot of pressure and a lot of change right now just with the you know a lot of big stuff happening at the shop and, and whatever so i'm kind of stressed and i was talking about how like kind of pork chop is one of the one of the lizards that's been kind of helping me keep a level head because he's like such a he's like this funny weird little dork no like he's <laughs> yeah. he's just this weird little spiny tailed dork you know but he's but he's really cool and he's so nice and he's you know i we have like this totally bizarre interaction that's like really difficult to quantify it's and it's mm-hmm. no different than the interaction i have with my two weird house panthers and my dog you know mm-hmm. like it's a very similar kind of relationship and it's like <clears throat> I can't imagine somebody else having him or having a relationship with him because he's just such like this, you know, he's such an integral, his big red eyes, you know, he's just like, Hey, you know, <laughs> food or women or get out of here, you know, but he's awesome. He's, he's like a, anyway. I, yeah. The, the male Shinisaurus kind of acts like that. It's really funny because you would think they would be like a more standoffish species but he acts like a little tiny bearded dragon sometimes. Like he'll be scratching at the front of the enclosure if he's eating food or anything. Or if we're like working in the room, he'll yeah. be like doing little dive bombs off the branch into the water and you just hear like a plop. Like, do you got any food? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's cannonballing for earthworms. <laughs> That's awesome. Like he, he actually like lets you like pet him a little bit. I don't know if he would let anyone else do that, but I could go yeah. like a little ch- and stuff so yeah, yeah, they're yeah. really cool i think they would be like enormously popular if they were just a little bit more easier to find yeah, yeah they're really cool and the you water know, aspect don't let it like scare you or anything it's not it's not like a turtle or anything where it just stinks up like the whole room if you don't do like 50 water changes a day so there's they're not like that terrible oh, okay. that's good to know that's really any filtration on them. Like they get like a little yeah. like sponge with like the the pump attachment and like the little yeah, yeah. spray bar and like it's good. You just gotta like clean the sponge and occasionally like when they're shedding, like they'll get all the, the skin everywhere. And then you actually have to like siphon it out with like a hose and stuff and do like a bigger clean to get that out because the filter's not sucking that up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's I like, like the worst. I've, I've taken care of like turtles and stuff before and they are on like next level mess. They're not. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other category for sure. And we're going to have to, man, we're going to have to have some, we're going to have to have some turtle people on. Cause we keep, we, it's like the third time we've been talking shit about water turtles, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> super cool. But I don't want to get into turtles or tortoises right now. I do not have time for that. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know disrespect to water turtle keepers. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just like, cause if you like, I worked at PetSmart 
And yeah. if you work anywhere with any kind of stuff like that, you see like five oh, yeah. billion writers sliders coming through on a regular basis because they're like the easiest one to find, and you just get exasperated by it. I, so I, I think <laughs> one of the other reasons why she's so paranoid about treating is she, oh, she told me a story about a, a Russian tortoise that came in and yeah. they were soaking it and it literally pooped and it just looked like spaghetti. And no, it was just oh, like, no. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. So, like, yeah, they're so I think she got traumatized. <laughs> it was terrible. Like it was, it was in the, it was in the container water, and it was just like, oh, oh gosh, that's awful. I, honestly, I feel a little traumatized from that story, and I wasn't even there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's not even a water turtle. That was just a, yeah, a tortoise a thing. So, so. Yeah. you know, I, I feel like um, this has been this is such a fun kind of relief for for me in a way because I feel like uh, for a few shows we've had. I've had conversations with like real serious, real serious uh, topics and, and slants. And I forget how fun it is sometimes just to talk shop and just like, just bullshit about, you know, how, how awesome these reptiles are. And like, you know, I don't remember the last time, except for talking with Roy, I don't remember the last time I talked with other, other keepers about pork chop and how he's weird and we just have this funny little relationship and he's you know my and he knows different people he he i don't mean to change the topic or anything but or go back to this but this this damn lizard when my mom comes to the shop she always walks in and goes hey buddy and he does push-ups at her (laughs) he slams the side of the pen he's like hey he's like he wants me to get out of here he doesn't it's like he's Absolutely valid because another thing, again, with the shinies being like a real little personality, is the female is a little bit more standoffish. But our friend was pet sitting the first time that the Chinese crocodile lizards gave birth. We were actually on vacation, and our friend came over and was pet sitting, and she tried to like kill him. She was so mean. Is so nasty to him, and I cannot figure out if it was because of the babies or if it was because oh, yeah. he was different and she wasn't used to him. Because I went in there when we got back and I collected all the babies, I didn't get charged, I didn't get attacked. She yeah, yeah. either knew or chilled out by then. So I think so she interesting. Knows. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, they've got. I don't know be. if anyone talks about them being like maternal or anything, but like. I have, have I ever, uh, have, have you seen that video? I posted it this year. One of my, uh, female Yemenensis, Euromastics laid oh, yeah. a clutch of duds and she's, which is whatever it happens. Right. She, there, I have a video of her, um, n- guarding her nest box. And I mean, like, d- you know, like die bombing me from jumping off the top of it, like open mouth, like get the fuck away. Like this is mine. It's, it's actually a really cool video because, I have a few euros that do that around when they lay their eggs. Like actually the female Egyptian is like that. She will kind of charge me and hiss at me when she's deposited eggs in her nest box. Even when I've taken the nest box out of the enclosure, she spends like a good month or two doing it, you know, and just like kind of grumpy about it. So it's uh, not all of them do it, but some of them, some of them do it. It's pretty, that's pretty weird when you see that stuff happen. You're like, wow, you, you had a straight up hormone change. Like you're a different animal. Oh like, yeah. 100%. You don't expect it, but they do. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. This is a, uh, this is a, uh, one of my buddies. Oh, uh, look we're talking guy. about the, 
the buddies that we have that did just bring us joy. This is a this is Towns. It's a my male Texas alligator lizard, but his name this is, is actually a species. Yeah, his name is his name is Towns. He's named after Towns Van Zant. Great songwriter. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, um these these actually they they apparently guard their nests. And I'm really curious if I if I manage to breed them, I'm I kind of want to leave the eggs with the female because they'll she'll they'll guard the eggs like from what i understand like pretty much the duration of incubation which is really interesting to me that'd be really cool yeah, yeah. astros seem to do it too yeah yeah that's so cool yeah some of the eggs i couldn't remove from the enclosure because of where she laid them and they yeah. definitely like, curled up in the core collar trying to get me like i said they've really oh, yeah. not really done the threat display at me too yeah. often before but that was one of those times yeah. so i so i just got um quite recently i got a, a pair of igernia hosmeri and uh <clears throat> yeah they're they're so rad uh, i got them from uh another thing on my very short list i oh, got yes, the whole sorry. one last week and i was like Oh yeah. my goodness. They're so rad. There's and I so I kept um Igernia Stokes eye uh, um, I don't know around like eight or nine, eight, nine years ago, something like that. And I, I never bred them, but I had a I had a I had a I had a big group of them. I had like six of them for a little while. And uh I never bred those, but these Hosmeri, I'm committed, you know, they're th- this is a real commitment to a project. And uh Ladies. I have never yeah, exact don't worry, I got you. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> I I have never um kept i've never bred well no that's not true I, there was one burrowing uh, type of little uh skink that i had that gave live birth and i was like whoa just like tripped me out you know just like woke up and there's 15 of them running around the enclosure um but uh this is the kind of be my first major foray into seeing like you know having live bearing reptiles and i just wonder what that experience is going to be like compared to ha- you know seeing a mate collect digging up and collecting eggs incubating the eggs and then seeing the eggs hatch you know i'm really excited for the for the change in in process so roy you definitely have to do that so rad yeah with towns man you got to make sure let towns act as you know do what he has to do as a as a father and as a man hopefully you know (laughs) i'm really curious i hope i hope that eventually the i've got the xenosaurus numenorum too and they're they're um I guess it's ovoviviparous. Um, so they, you know, they have the internal eggs and get yeah. birth to live babies. So rad. Um, I, I haven't done anything like that either. So I'm really curious if they'll eventually do that. But they're still pretty young. They're only a couple of years old. But you already so put him he's, he's only, yeah, I put him back. He's only a couple of years old, but he's a beast. He's huge. They're they're such cool lizards. I feel like that is a species that's just super underrated in herpetoculture too. The the Texas alligator lizards. They're like talk about something that's like having like a little monitor. You know, they're yeah. I feel like they're really similar, but a little but a little bit slower, a little bit more mellow, which is I think kind of nice actually. But yeah, 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 for sure. They're kind of like a, a drier abronia. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. That's actually one of Go ahead. No, what are you gonna say? I was gonna say it's an illegal, illegal abronia. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Our native species get overlooked a little bit of the time. Oh sure. Yeah, yeah. I know. I would, I would think that these guys would get a little bit more, more interest just because they're they're pretty impressive. Like they get big. 
for a, you know for a I mean they're the biggest of that whole family of lizards. Yeah, but um, yeah. for whatever reason they are still obscure. Huh. Yeah, well, it's like it's actually it was kind of a fun. You know, we it would have been interesting to to break this apart more when we spoke with Scott and Ty uh, Iper, mm-hmm. right? Because you know you know in Australia they can only keep their natives, right? It's yeah. like that's what that's what you work with, right? And yeah. here. It's like actually, it's kind of like reversed. It's like, well, you can mess with some natives, but not all of them. So it's like it's okay. You, it's cool if you keep corn snakes, cow kings, bull snakes, hog nose, depending on the state you're in. It's sort of okay, you know. But with other stuff, it's like, no, you can't keep that. No, you can't keep that. So I feel like it's it kind of scares people away from some of the really rad native stuff that we've got, like the collared lizards and chuckwallas and um, you know various other badass reptiles leopard lizards desert iguanas fringe toed lizards i mean just i don't know if these go up into the united states but i am a huge fan of the zebra tail oh yeah for sure they oh, do. yeah they do Definitely. yeah 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 those, yeah, those are, are awesome i've only ever seen them in baja so i wasn't sure how far up they went oh yeah yeah they are they are kicking ass in in america and they're yeah. <laughs> they're so cool such cool lizards really and I, i've never i've never actually caught one or put my hands on one because they're like heating up in the desert sun and they're like freaking gone oh yeah, yeah they they're so gone. fast they're running <laughs> yeah amazing you, you ever you ever seen that um you, you, well of course you have you guys have seen jurassic park Mm-hmm. You remember the scene where he's asking about the T-Rex? He's like, oh, we, we clocked the T-Rex. He's like, or, I mean, no, not the T-Rex. When he's talking about the velociraptors, and he's like, how fast are they? And he, yeah. goes, he just turns to him and he goes, cheetah speed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's, what I, that's what I think of when I think of the zebra tails is like, yeah, cheetah they're speed. Fast. Yeah. And it's like, there's like a bunch of stray dogs in that town. And I saw one, like I was looking out the hotel window and I just saw this whole pack of stray dogs chasing this lizard. And that thing is just like, pew. Yeah, okay. tell us a little bit about your about your annual. Is it annual or is it biannual? It's annual. Trip to Baja. It's basically annual. a now, and it is in no way an actual like herp trip. But oh yeah, I know, I know. It is yeah. predominantly diving and snorkeling and whale sharks and sea lions and that kind of thing. But there are cool lizards there. Yeah. Like, we'll have to send Phil a video. Uh, yeah, I think I sent you it, but yeah, uh, it's not something I'm allowed to publicly post. But there, uh, there's some very cool lizards down there. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Phil will get a real nice. We saw while we were diving off an island, like with the sea lions and everything. We saw right up on the beach, like 20 feet away from us. There's the Angel Island Chuckwalla. Ah! <laughs> they're only there they're on the big island and then they're sprinkled throughout the other like the actual like natives that live there like move them to the different islands that are floating around uh, out there and they're on like some little tiny rocky outcrops that you wouldn't expect to like host anything of size and we saw like from the boat we saw two more and oh, they're so like cool. they're yeah, super I will, cool I will cry if you send me that video because the angel <laughs> <laughs> the San Estebans, all uh, even the island collards. Um, oh yeah, blanking on the uh, on the name of the collards all of a sudden, but uh, yeah, no, no, I, I 
the, all of those island uh there, nobody knows like so few people yeah. pay attention to the these, these badass lizards right here <clears throat> they're like oh i gotta go to the galapagos no go to san esteban island see what the yeah. fuck are. those are the craziest looking lizards ever you know it's not so like cool. it's it's not a herb trip and we like bug the tour guide we're like please can we see if there's any lizards so it's, it's 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 the first year we've gone down like I, I'll admit the first time I went down, it was more just to go with her, spend some time with her. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm not a, I'm not a, a high heat kind of person. It's just it's not warm there. Like, uh-huh. I, I'm a short soul kind of person and we go down and then, you know, there's a mural on the side of a wall, you know, by a little park they have. And there's a mural of that. I'm like, huh, that'd be really cool to see. Yeah. And, you know, he talked to us a little bit about it and I think in He's been going down for like years, two almost two decades, because he used to go down there for uh, work with a university from mm-hmm. California. They go down and partner with one of the universities down there, and they would go out and do studies. But uh, we're the second group he's taken that has got to see them. Wow! So, um, it was it was nice, and and That's like so cool. You see this lizard go up under a rock and. He started doing push-ups. Yes, yeah. dude. It was like his perfect little rock, too. Like, there was this little hollow under it, and it was, like, just for him. Or her. I don't really know which one it was. No, no, no. It, it, was, was cool. Cool. it wasn't no, too colorful. It, it was oh, a yeah, cool. the pool. He had missed. He scoped out. He scoped out the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> he, scoped it. he was like, I planned for this. This was intentional. <laughs> I, I, he thought through how he was going to be seen from that boulder. He's like, I'm going to look <laughs> <laughs> and it was so cool like because um the rocks there is just basically like all like crushed granite and stuff and it was just like a really neat look like oh, a yeah. nice little biome yes oh yeah so rad the coolest stuff i i, I have I was thinking about um the one podcast you said you came home with like 70 pounds of rocks and you're yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't do that here but that would be really funny because this is yeah. some nice sand yeah, no, it's yeah. perfect, right? It would be absolutely ideal. And you're like, I just if I just had a hundred pounds of this or three hundred pounds of this, I would never need to buy sand ever again. You know? We like I was like, we could have done something, but we were already getting looks because I had my backpack and I had both of our pairs of uh three foot di- free diving fins strapped to my backpack. If I come back <laughs> free diving fins with sand, it's just like that's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> it was already weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. That's true. <laughs> that's that's fucking great. Um, uh, well, so uh, I mean, I'm. This is conversation has been absolutely fantastic. I've really been enjoying this. We are creeping up on. We're right up at like two hours now. Just F- and I want to. And I know that you guys are in Eastern time, and I, yeah. I want to be respectful of your time. And I'm. I think my fiance is going to have food here in just a few minutes. So <laughs> if it's okay, uh, I, we, cause I, I, if, even if we say we're going <clears> to <throat> bring the conversation, you know, we're going to try to wrap it up now. Uh, we clearly have to have you guys on more than once. Like, obviously, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, guys, you guys are awesome. And <laughs> I feel like all we did was kind of, I mean, we talked about, about a bunch of cool stuff, but we also did a little bit of bullshit in there and that was probably mostly my fault. So we have way more, <laughs> we're going to have to like really tease apart more of what you guys do and wh- how you guys think about what you do. So hopefully I, I, I warned Roy, this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I thought he that, did. It's true. He did. Yeah. So, 
This is obviously He's like, do you have any specific topics so it doesn't turn into a ramble fest? And I was like, we're all about the ramble fest. That's all we want to do. Yeah. Like we are in the business of recording ramble fests and broadcasting them to other people. Well, we should we we should do some more focused episodes though with y'all. Sure. And I'd love to really talk Boiga and yeah. Yeah, Me and too. just get into all the good stuff. Me too. Uh but with that in mind, uh we got the one we want to do the last one. Yeah. Is that the idea? Yeah. 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 You want to, you want to take it? Yeah. Hell yeah. I want to take it. So, okay. uh, It's the kind of the show tradition. We're asking everybody the same question at the end of each show. Um, Why herpetoculture? And you can take that in any way you like, like, why do you do it? Why do we do it? Why should we do it? Why does, why do humans do it? Anything? What do you, what's yeah. What comes to mind for you when someone asks you why herpetoculture? Do you want to do it? Or do I have a small idea. All right, cool. Like, the, the thing with me is, like, if someone has, like, this little creature in their house, it doesn't matter if you're like us and you have, like, a billion, but um, even if you have just, like, one leopard gecko or one crested gecko and they're doing it, like, really, really good, it makes them, like, respect the natural world a little bit more. Like, if you get, like, a little piece of nature in your house and then you're, like, you just think about more of like the environment and that it should be protected and we shouldn't be like bulldozing the rainforest and maybe they will go out and like, even if they don't do anything, they will tell their friends and then slowly, cause there's a lot of people out there that I've met that don't even like care about any kind of animals. And it's just because yeah. they don't have any experience with them. Yeah. Right. yeah. And like I've had fish in the past and that's basically like where I started keeping stuff. But for whatever reason, I could just like dial in the reptiles better. Like, cause you don't like, there's not like tons and tons of variables and there's no like the huge heavy water aspect to be dealing with. But some of it still applies. Like I know you've talked about it before on the other podcast where there's like those little details that do carry over and I just like there's so many different colors and they're so cool and like I had a crested gecko on my hand the other night and I was just staring at her as she was walking across and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever and that's yeah. like a species that like if they were less common people wouldn't like. Oh yeah, yeah, oh hard. totally, yeah. We've For talked sure. about that before. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's excellent. I love that answer. What about? Uh, <clears throat> do you concur, Dan, or is there a, another? Yeah, it, I definitely agree with her on a lot of it. It's for me. It's it's like a very vague way to say it, though. Like, you know, like <laughs> some people, okay. they have that ability to travel very easily. Some people don't, and like I feel like her her, her kind of lets you, and even fish keeping kind of relates to it. you can bring that aspect to your home, and you can have that little piece that you know, call it selfish if you want to, like that piece that's yours, that you feel that you can relate to it in some way, or even if it's like a goal that down the line, like at some point I have to make it to Malaysia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whether I come back from there or not, but it's just that it kind of sets the way for like you pushing you to go there and getting that getting out of your comfort zone, just enjoying something that normally you wouldn't be able to enjoy. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I like that too. Yeah. yeah. I I really like, I really like like 
agriculture stuff and like farming aspects and stuff, but I'm allergic to like a whole bunch of mammals. So I can't do any of that. But like you can apply the same stuff. Like like they have very oddly specific ways of doing stuff. And then we have the same thing here. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Man, those are both great responses. I like that. (laughs) We've had some, we've had some real wild ones, like real wild cards to some of those questions. Like my favorite one to date so far is Philip Tremper saying it's a disease. When I asked him why for pediculture, I was like, yeah, yeah, I feel like I have a bit of a disorder, you know? <laughs> I think a lot of us have ADD. Yeah, I think so too. I actually, yeah, I think about this all the time. I mean, how how many reptile keepers are like neurodivergent in some way? Like that's, maybe that's like a whole show topic to have. That aren't. Like, <laughs> I know. I'm thinking right now and I'm having like issues coming to mind. Anybody <laughs> I'll fully say, like, (laughs) as much as like in my daily life that I have to deal with it, because I'm a manager, but I don't like dealing with people most of the time. Yes. Also, that. And with such, and this kind of goes against like the educational aspect that I, you know, grew up with and everything. It keeps people away from me that don't share that like it's easier for me to put people away because they're so afraid of something that they have no idea what like what it's about yeah. and it kind of helps me make sure i keep positive people in my life because only those people that actually want to be there maybe that are interested in it or something are the mm-hmm. only ones that really stick around to try to like you know build a relationship if that makes sense mm-hmm. oh yeah wow that's cool <clears throat> i've never heard that perspective either i like that too damn <laughs> this is why i love this show it's like i love doing this because we get i'm telling you every single every single convo every mm-hmm. one of them has been has been interesting and i feel like i've gained a totally different perspective from every person we've spoken to including mm-hmm. both of you of course it's really <laughs> yeah except for the except for you guys you know like no just kidding <laughs> 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 no, it's cool. It's really interesting. And uh I I feel like um even if uh <clears throat> even if Roy and I are the only ones ever listening, I mean obviously we got viewer we got listeners at this point, but my point is even if for some reason someday nobody was ah, I'm getting out of here. You got you got man, this is awesome. I'm so out of it right now. I'm really apparently <laughs> back on my own. Do this in person. You guys got to get out to Tinley. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, We're talking are. about it. We are. We actually March. have. We have a note, a little shared note where we have ideas and uh, in, in prices and stuff like that. So it's definitely something we're thinking about. So I told Roy, I will, I will help pay for the hotel. I will pick <laughs> you up from the airport if I have to. I will help. <laughs> too yeah. generous, man. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. we want to get out there. Like Daytona, but Tinley is also very fun. I might just be a little biased because the ocean was right there, though. So that could uh, be. Yeah, I understand. We just have to do both. Yeah, we probably got to do both. Daytona yeah, was, oh, it was ridiculous. There's just lizards everywhere, both indoors and out. There's, yeah, there's, there's sharks, which is very cool, in my opinion. It scared some other people, yes. but whatever. Also cool. <laughs> also cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tinley's close to like the shed aquariums there, but there's not too many like herping. It's there's not like too many herping locations near there. Okay. It's, it's close, like it's close <laughs> enough where you can drive to like Snake Road, but 
the times where Kinley yeah. is like not it's cold good peak like yeah. times to go right right it's, of course yeah that's all right that's all right we could we'll just have to balance it out with one of each uh at least yeah uh, so. yeah 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 um <clears throat> excuse me well uh i think then i'm gonna if, as long as there's nothing where where can Please. people find what both the, what you guys are doing where can we where can people find uh you know and get in contact with you guys so if you want to get in contact with us um she runs the Instagram page that is for the business that actually gets responses from <laughs> and actually posts because I've rarely posted mine. Um, it is roots underscore scoots and um, underscore scales, scales uh, on Instagram, roots, scoots and scales on Facebook. Um, you can link it that way. We said it weirdly. I'm sorry. I'm also in the same boat as you, Phil. We both <laughs> have access to the message box on that Facebook page. If you get to our like personals, obviously those are separate, but like that one is the joint effort. You'll get both of us. If it's a lizard question, I'll probably answer it. <laughs> if grammar is horrible, I probably answered it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> now That's we know. Awesome. Yeah. Now we're all there, there, there is getting mixed up. Uh, that'll, yes, that'll happen. I guess that's just, even happens to the best of us. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, y'all. I'm stoked yeah. for this uh, this conversation, and I'm stoked about the thought of getting to hang out face to face at Tinley. Yeah, same. I'm really like, I really want it to happen. I think it's possible. So we can do it. It's just just getting the ducks in the row, but I think we can October's do it. October's a little iffy because that's like around the months we usually vanish for like a week. So true. March. March. Hey, March is soon too. That's yeah, not that's far coming away. right up. That's not <laughs> far away. <laughs> I'm like saving now. I'm like, oh god. Yeah, totally. Don't remind me. I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me uh let me stop the recording here.